Hey, how's it going, everybody? Thank you for coming back to another podcast episode. This topic is going to be on the deep dive of Angels of Omnipotence that Mars had promised us on the last podcast episode. And today we have a very interesting and special guest, Jareth Tempest, who is here to kind of share his experience. And like he had a lot of experience and he has uh, actually close communications and experiences working directly with the Angels of Omnipotence. And uh, if you're in the magic community, you probably know his name. So it's an honor to have him on this podcast, honestly. So appreciate you coming on board. So uh, yeah, what, what do you got about the Angels of Omnipotence? You want to talk about mm-hmm. Elubatil, Ibuhiro, and Atuesiro? Well, first, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, hope that we can enlighten some people on what's going on here in this uh, second working with these Angels of Omnipotence. But, uh, so yeah, to jump right in, like, um, you know, I've, I've written a book called Angels of Omnipotence, and in doing that book, I, I did some basic, you know, research into where they come from and kind of their history, and it's kind of rather unusual. Most of these, most angels that occultists work with, you know, have a long history that goes back, you know, to the Old Testament or something to that effect, but there's really not a whole lot that's very old with the angels as they are as they appear now uh, they first appeared in the sixth and seventh book of moses which was published in germany in pamphlets and then kind of compiled but in the 1800 and then it really kind of um moved into the what you might call the the folk magic or the conjure communities and and hoodoo and then appalachian folk magic and stuff and really, I believe that that's where working with Elie Battelle to, to get money came from. And because in the sixth and seventh book of Moses, what it's, you know, they're not used for attracting wealth or money or anything like that. They're used to um, conjure uh, Leviathan and then to, uh, when you're finished with Leviathan, to put him back into hell. So that's a big jump from that book to, you know, asking them to, to bring you wealth and money. So that was, that's just an interesting kind of path that these angels have taken. You know, I, um, <clears throat> I wonder what the symbolism is between th- this conjuration of Leviathan and this story of bringing him up and and putting him back i wonder how you know the six the the sixth and seventh book of moses essentially took this idea and ran with it and it's interesting of course but i wonder why this was selected as the because essentially it's the foundation really of this would you say yeah well okay so what's interesting here is that um, when I wrote the book, I didn't really work too hard on trying to figure out the theory behind these angels and where they came from. I kind of just wanted to get an idea of how they've been used over the years and stuff. And uh, it wasn't until very recently, until after the book was published, that another author contacted me, uh, Tristan Whitespire, and he had had some ideas um, that he wanted to run by me and and he he really linked the number there um in my book i list uh nine but it really in the book of the sixth and seventh book of moses there's only eight 
and what it is is there's eight and then the ninth one is actually kind of all of them together working as one it's kind of their their uh, i don't know if you want to use the vault like voltron or something like that where the you know the eight come together to form one so there's really eight so that number eight was very significant to him and he was uh had found it all through um you know eastern traditions and things like that and he thought that there was something there uh, and so we both started digging into this this concept and what i found was uh an e egyptian um these eight egyptian gods i'm i'm probably not going to pronounce this right called the ogdoad which basically means uh the eightfold and they're very primordial deities and and even in the the pyramid texts and things where they appear it doesn't really seem like anyone knows what they do except that they create infinity and that they they bring things up out of chaos and then can put things back into chaos so they can bring order out of chaos and then they can you know take order and create chaos which that brings back to the Leviathan thing, which um, in the Old Testament and just in, into the uh, the Hebrews and to other peoples uh, in the Near East at the time, the ocean was m metaphorical for chaos and for that primordial chaos that everything came out of. You know, in, in certain versions of the story, you know, Yahweh. Uh, conquered chaos and created everything out of that that primordial chaos and then eventually everything's you know he'll you know reduce things back to that and that's what leviathan is a symbol of leviathan is a an ocean dragon and you know is that primordial chaos and so i think here in the sixth and seventh book of moses you have these angels are being shown that they can control chaos and that they can make something out of nothing and then they can take something and reduce it back to nothing and it's just illustrating the awesome power that these angels possess wow. does that kind of clarify where you know where i think that it's coming now this is all i want to just and we do want to say this is all theory yeah i'm not saying within 100 percent that these angels are these ancient egyptian gods you know there's a lot of I think room for play and all of that, but I think that you can see a theme that kind of, you know, goes through history with these kind of entities that, that can uh, that have that kind of power. I do, and when sorry, I, when we were talking about the uh, the number eight originally, you know, I know that eight has a lot of different definitions in, in the context of numerology, but every when i think of the number eight i think of infinity and it's just amazing that this you know that you know you went really in, in that direction i i'm i'm very inclined to 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 believe this perspective I, I think it's interesting i'm of the personal belief that um there's a lot of parallels between a lot of cultures so the fact that well i guess opinion the theory that you formed uh makes a lot of sense to me because the parallels they kind of match up and even in numerology like mars just mentioned the number eight has something to do with money. It's a financial uh, number in general, from what I know anyway. There could be different based on different theories, but uh, I am of Indian Hindu background, so that's kind of where I came from as well. And then uh, we're talking about the 
the angels of omnipotence and we're talking about leviathan but uh, in uh, i'm not sure about the six and seven book of moses you'll probably have to enlighten us but i do know in wealth magic they don't make any mention of any creature uh except for clonic that has anything to do with hell like it's kind of entirely based on the angels and then even razio and then something like that so based on these talis this talisman that they have in ritual two uh, which a lot of it is found in the sixth and seventh book of Moses. Uh, what is like the, is there, is there a sigil or is there some type of emblem or some type of connection to Leviathan in the second working of wealth magic? Not to my knowledge. I need to look at that again, actually. But no, there's nothing there that, that seems to be Leviathan. And, and I, I'm pretty sure that, that Damon Brand is, is very clear that, uh, I think Clownick is the only like official demon. I think that there's a little, um, I think Calvarnia or, or something like that, or some people might consider, but it's, it's more, I think it's more of a genius spirit personally, but, yeah. uh, but no, it, within the second working, there is, there's nothing demonic or, or, or cathodic or anything uh, going on. I think what you have are these these entities that were historically very very powerful, and you know starting with the sixth and seventh book of Moses, you start you know they kind of entered kind of the mainstream of you know magical use, and you know people started experimenting with it as as, as magicians you know tend to do, and you know, people found out pretty quick that they will bring wealth. And I think that that's kind of where uh, they got popular was, you know, it didn't matter about where they came from. People were just looking at their practical uses and, you know, people always want money. <laughs> so that, that's how they became popular. Yeah, that's when, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I was just thinking about how, so the 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 sixth and seventh book of Moses is it true, or I mean, do we know? Do we have facts at least to believe that actually that that the sixth and seventh book of Moses were actually part of the Bible, or were at one point meant to be uh, books in the Bible of the Old Testament? There is no direct connection between the sixth and seventh book of Moses and um, Exodus. Anything actually coming you know, from the Bible or anything like that. What you probably have is a translation of a translation of a translation of an old uh, practical, like practical Kabbalah book that the original has been lost. And it's just something that's uh, been kind of cobbled together from maybe different sources or something uh, of some old practical Kabbalah. Yep. Yep. No, because that's really exactly what I think about. Go ahead. That's a, that's what I was thinking when I think when I think about the sixth and seventh book of Moses. I I believe it's you know uh, uh, a very kabbalistic uh, um, ritual or perspective at least of uh, conducting magic, and the um, the the if the chronological order of Moses, uh, or at least after Moses, is uh, at some point we get to, you know, David, and then we get to uh, Solomon, and there is there is this there's some 
literature about how you know this this knowledge was passed down to the to to David and to and and thus into Solomon and the stories really align a little bit um, if we were look if we were looking at this strictly from a Kabbalistic perspective of you know the same power that um, Solomon King Solomon actually had when he was summoning uh, these these uh, entities and uh, putting them to go work uh, on the temple of God and there's a very interesting um, text out there I think you I think everyone should read it it's called the the testament of King Solomon and it really goes pretty in depth about uh, a story about how uh, and it's a first person perspective so it's as, it's as if King Solomon himself wrote it um, there isn't any factual evidence to, to, to support that he wrote it but essentially there is definitely a lot of symbolism and it talks essentially about the rise and the fall of, of King Solomon. When you are getting to this point of summoning the angels of omnipotence in wealth magic, you know, in ritual too, you are yeah. definitely getting to a point where you're playing with some very important forces. And it's very important to know, you know, what's going on in the, the second ritual. So, uh, you know, very interesting, very interesting stuff there, Jareth. Yeah, the, yeah, the, you're playing with real, with real power here. This is, um, this is the real deal. Um, could, do you mind if I kind of go off topic here? I mean, not off topic, but just, uh, I have a kind of a story I'd like to tell. For yeah, sure. uh, when I first when I first started working with you know these angels when I, I did the second working and I, the, you know the, just the name the angels of omnipotence is just so so intriguing you know you're like why are they called that so I started trying to just dig around as best as I could and there's just not a whole lot of information on them out there and if you like Google angels of omnipotence there's this um, blog post that comes up. And it, it, and it just describes a uh, initiation ritual that you can do that involves all eight of them. And anyway, I, I, can, I did the ritual and I do not recommend anyone do this ritual. It was, it was one of the scariest, it's actually the only magic thing I've ever done that just really scared me to my core. Because, not because like, I felt like what this was an evil entity or anything like that because but because for the first time I felt like this was real real power. This was you will get what you want regardless of what it takes to get it. Wow. Not not in that like it's going to just destroy everything or anything like that. I'm I'm trying I know that that's kind of where people's minds go with magic, but that's not the way magic usually works. But just the simple fact that like you will get what you ask for and to really you know we, we 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 can conceptualize that and we can um kind of you know we have an idea of what that is and that's what we're kind of striving for as, as magicians but to actually face it is a different story and so yeah that I, I did that and i kind of talk about it in the book and that's when i kind of i I, I kind of stopped from for a little while and I was like, okay, this is, we're, 
this is very special. We're going to kind of put this over here and think about it. And but then that then of course obviously you can't just let that kind of thing go. So that's when I started digging deeper into actually just working with them. And I um, I did you know I work through uh, through visual visual magic and um, uh, path workings and stuff like that. And that, so I I got path workings for them and I started working with them on an individual level. And I started finding out then kind of what individually they enjoy doing they, they they use the word service a lot and and they would like you know certain angels would say I, I enjoy servicing people in this way and they do very much like working with people um that's a very important thing they they really do like people and they like working with people and they like helping people get better and improving their life you know it, when i say that these angels are scary i don't mean to say that you know they're they're these horrifying monsters or anything like that. Just that, you know, that they are, um, but they're the real deal. And they, you, you, you need to be thoughtful when you work with them and, and know what, you know, be sure that you want what you're asking for. Yeah. I think honestly, from my theory, the, the reason that Damon Brand sets the, the order of working with the, all the, entities in the first place is there specifically to set the framework and having an order for that. So you talking about your experience with those angels of omnipotence, I'm not going to lie. I'm actually kind of intrigued, <laughs> but like the, but your, your, uh, basically your warning is very, very important to heed because I also, you know what, like, but I was thinking about this before when you were talking about how they became into the mainstream around the 1800s, that's only like 220 years, 200, maybe less years of being in the mainstream. So it's been really hidden in the, the back burner for a lot of magic. So like, it's interesting how it's evolved from what it used to be, who knows what the original history is. Cause you said there might be a mistranslation of, a, I'm sorry, a translation of a translation of a translation. So we don't know what was lost, but we don't know what was added either, but it's evolved to the point where now in today's day and age, there's a lot better understanding of these spirits to give way more experiences and i also i'm I'm kind of jumping on multiple topics here i'm really excited to talk about this but uh i had a friend in in like middle school and high school and he was like hardcore into islam he was he was pakistani so that's his culture but he was like getting really into it and he was sharing with me how there's angels and jinn in the islamic culture and the angels specifically they live to serve god and from that perspective, like I hear what you said, Jareth, about the angels loving to help people. And I think like I could draw a parallel in my head that these angels are there to serve God by helping what, I mean, in Christian terminology, they would be God's children, which is people. So it kind of like, I see these, all these parallels and ways that they relate to each other is, is really neat. Well, yeah, kind of my, my core theory of magic and why magic works for us as humans is that we all have divinity within us we all at the core of our our being is you know is pure divinity and so you work as a magician through that the power and authority of that that divinity that is within you and so when these angels you know do what you're what you want them to do it's not because they respect you as as you know as, as mario or whatever it's because they respect you as as you know they see the the divine power and authority within you and the most important thing any magician can do 
in their journey and, and to become you know better and better at magic is to get in touch with that inner divinity and to learn to work out of that that power and authority very well said so in essence with respect to your book what can someone say for example you know like me who has done weld magic already twice meaning i've already done you know ritual two twice uh and you know how could i take your book and uh grow with it and use magic to better my life if i have you know just coming from the perspective of an average joe right who's already done who's already worked with the angels of omnipotence you know in other words how can your book help my life oh well uh in several ways actually so as i uh as you kind of mentioned i started working with them on an individual level and you know through the path workings and uh in the book i i do include those path workings so that anybody can go and like you you can work with them all individually um in person but i also if if that is too intense or you're not good at visualizing um the I, there's a um a system of glyphs that the angels passed on to me and they're they're real simple blocky glyphs and they each have a, a a kind of a core meaning like we have one that that represents creation you have one that represents mother and one that represents uh movement and action and so what i've done then is i took those glyphs and i've uh put them together um into different sigils that do different that have different effects and then i, I give the instructions in the book also for how you can use the glyphs yourselves and so what this does like i was talking about you know doing that ritual from you know that i found on a random website online and how scary that was i've taken it and you know you still have access to the same power but it's through an easier to work with system that anybody who you know you don't have to be an experienced magician to be able to to work with these angels through these glyphs um yeah and and each angel has like i said a particular area that they like to work in and this is something where you know some of the purists might not like it very much now you have to remember every one of these angels is insanely powerful and can do pretty much anything there's just so i'm not saying that if there's something that they enjoy doing doesn't mean that they can't do the other stuff too but like uh elia Battelle, who is the main angel that you work with in the second working um told me that he enjoys helping people to become wise and that is really his uh his main area that he he enjoys working in and so when you look at my book all of the powers and under Elie Battelle are going to be for um helping you mentally you know help sharpen your mind or to increase your memory or uh you know things of that nature or just you know to make wise decisions and why or even wise financial decisions which that one is in there and then you know and then the other angels have different uh things that they enjoy doing um and this uh Labusi is actually the one that likes uh working with money and prosperity and making people prosperous and stuff which and was not even included in the wealth magic working 
uh, and I'm not trying to to say that you know Damon Brand made a mistake. This is the way that they'd been worked with for um, that's interesting you know, for a couple of hundred years. <laughs> so it's just that's just the way it, and, it, and it does work. You know, people were getting have gotten amazing results from working with LUTL for money. Um, Why do you think that is? Well, uh, in the in the in the way that the the six and seven book of Moses works, you have the first three, the one that the the three that appear in the wealth magic working. Uh, they're the main ones you work with. And so I believe that that that's just carried over into the way people worked. And you have to remember that Elia Battelle didn't appear in even this kind of uh, these magic books in Wealth Magic originally. He was in the uh, New Avatar Power book uh, by uh, what's his name, Geoff Cobb, something I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, but it's the book that inspired the Gallery of Magic to do these kinds of books in the first place, and it came out in the seventies. And there's a, a famous ritual from that book that's just Elie Battelle. And it's like a chant that to Elie Battelle that you do every day until you get the money that you're, you're wanting. And this is actually where the negative aspects that you hear about from, from working with Elie Battelle and, and the, the second working start, where these stories start coming from of, people's lives being turned upside down and, and what Damon Brand calls uh, disruptions. And I believe that a lot of that comes from um, Ellie Battelle wanting to help make you, you know, to teach you a lesson along with just giving you the money. Because again, I think he, you know, and, and this is just from my personal experience and, 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 and talking with this angel, but he, you know, he does enjoy helping people become wise. And I think that to him, um, he's giving you what you're asking for and he's making you a little wiser in the process. And, and that's, what's important to him. <laughs> so, uh, and as far as like, the, I, I do want to go uh, into a little more depth into the disruptions and the, these stories that people tell, because the, you hear about it all the time. Anytime anyone brings up the second working, everyone starts talking about the disruptions and Yep. Uh, Jason Miller wrote a really good article on his blog site, on a strategic sorcery blog site, um, about Ellie Battelle and the disruptions. And he was mainly talking about it from the uh, the new Avatar Power uh, book and the ritual that's in there. And and his take on it is that basically you. Because the, the people were, were saying more and more that they felt like Ali Battelle was telling them that they were unworthy. And, and the thing is, like, communication with these angels is very layered. And it's complex. Because, like, when I first started talking to them, um, like, I, initially when I, when I asked Ali Battelle what he does, what he said was that I, can, I teach you to talk to animals. And I was like, well, that doesn't make, you know, okay. And, but then I understood what, what do you, I, mean, I went back and I talked to him again. It's like, he can, uh, he, he helps you to, to become wise by uh, kind of, you, you grow, you, you learn from, from the life and the, and the beings around you is what he meant by that. And so a lot of times what you first hear, even as a magician or a psychic or whatever from communicating with these angels is not necessarily the real, more 
in-depth meaning. You have to take things, usually go back and listen to them again and again to get the real core meaning behind it. And I, and so when people are saying that they feel that Ellie Botel is telling them they're not worthy, Jason Miller says, well, he's not telling you that you're not worthy. It's just that your life is not set up for um, manifesting wealth or money because, you know, you have to have uh, that means of manifestation, your life, or I think Gordon White is the one that calls it, you know, your life needs to be enchantable. Um, if you're going to ask for money to flow into your life and the wealth to flow into your life, you need to have a way for that to happen. If you're working an hourly job at, you know, McDonald's and you don't have any investments and, and you don't have any, um, a uh, side hustle or where you're selling something on the side or something like that. The only more way that more money can come into your life for the most part is more hours. If you work more hours and sometimes you can't even, you know, even that's not even possible because you're, you can only work so many hours. And so if you, if you're going into working within that uh, ritual and you don't have a way for it to happen and you're not doing anything to make it possible for the magic to happen, that's when Ellie Battelle start sending a signal that you're not worthy and it's not that you know it's not like you're not morally worthy it's that you're you're not doing your part to make it happen and that's so important with all magic but it's really important in money magic that you you do your part you have to go out there and you have to um make things happen or be there ready to receive and and be willing to 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 open that door when opportunity knocks and, and and if you're not and your life is not set up in that way and you're not ready for it then that's when things start getting turned upside down because then he's going to be like because i like i said they will give you what you ask for and so basically that means that you might lose that job and then you're going to have to uh, and you might not have any any work for a while until that right job shows up for you or something like that and so that's where and then you're, and again, you're becoming wise in this process, a little bit wiser by going through this struggle. And this is all the things that I think Elie Battelle will do. And um, yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's why so it's, deep. it's so important that you uh, uh, have a life and that you look at it as not just like, I'm going to wave a magic wand and everything and, and money's just going to fall on my lap. Because it's just not realistic of what magic is and how it works. You've got to, you've got to do your part. That that's so deep, and wow, I'm I'm truly blessed today to 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 have this conversation with you and talk about these things because I can't tell you how many times I had goosebumps when you were talking, Jareth. I mean, I really really resonate with the part about how. Uh, the bit about uh, being unworthy. And in the past, I've, I've told others, I've, I've described this that you talk about as uh -huh. uh, being, um, being aware of your worth. And I have told others that, you know, when you go through the second ritual, you go through a, a you go through a very, you know, a different, you go through a series of different things that just lead up to one thing after another. And, you know, eventually you get to a point where you do become wiser and you know 
what you're worth both to other people. And my story is that I just got tired of being a slave to other people in my line of work uh, that were definitely making, you know, were, were, were well off in terms of the business that I was bringing them or helping them with. And right. you're, I wasn't you're really getting them rich and then you're just getting a salary for it. Essentially, essentially. And not even that, but uh, you know, for, for, for a lot of people who work in sales and commissions, this is, this is uh, very relatable and, you know, to have to go through those internal changes, you know, I've, I've met, I've met people who have talked about how they've lost friends and, uh, many, many different things occurred as a result of the the chaos that you sort of have to go through a, a little bit um, in order for things to just kind of fall into place. And it's weird, right? So I, I just want to say it's weird because, first of all, I never ever was in a position where I lacked. So even through like, a career change, um, unsteady, uh, uncertain uh, uh, waters in terms of like what my financial future was going to bring. My, my wife actually was very upset at me when I decided to just leave what I was doing and decide to change and shift, career, shift careers. It was risky. But it did, it did pay off. And the best thing that I did was I listened to my intuition. I, I really did. It was them. It was, it was the angels. Of, it, was, it was definitely Eliu Batel. And he was guiding me to look at life from a different perspective in, in, in something that I had already enjoyed doing. And uh, today, I, you know, I sit in a career that I love. I, I don't even consider it a career. You know, I work from home. Um, I have my, I make up my own schedule. And the best part is, is I get to spend time with my family, which is something that I could never do when I was in my previous career. And that, to me, is everything. I mean, I can't describe to you what level of happiness that brings to me that is wealth and i'll do anything for my family the reason why i did this book but in essence this uh this 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 is you know very interesting what you what you talk about there about being unworthy and having to go through these through these changes essentially and and, you know, of, of, of sort of like destroying and then building yourself up back again to being, to being, you know, worthy or essentially to, to, to having obtained that knowledge, that understanding about what you need to do and where you need to be. And a lot of it, in order for you to hone in and connect to it, I feel based on what you've said is, you know, you, you really have to listen and go inward. And, you know, as you said, finding within you that divine spark and connecting to it so yeah like that we i mean so much of, of 
of magic and, and mysticism and, and, and all this is that, that inward journey. But I mean, it's, it's also just, it's, it's baked into the system. Like we have the stories of the, you know, the shaman who has to be torn apart and then put back together again. And in some, some sense or another, if, you know, if you're going to walk this path, that's going to happen. And, you know, some people it'll, it'll be much more intense than others, but that's just, that's just part of being a magician. <clears throat> and, but yeah, as, and my own uh, story with the wealth, with wealth magic is, uh, is, is kind of similar. I was, I was working a job. I didn't hate the job by any means, but it, it had its, its limitations. And, and I did the, the completed it the first time and you know basically i think what what happened was like things things just never were quite okay doing what i was doing and it was always it always seemed like the universe was telling me hey you guys need to not be doing this job you need to go do this other thing and you know and it took a while for finally just for us to to take that leap of faith and be like okay I'm going to be a, a full-time magician now. <laughs> um, and, you know, but since it's happened, we've been nothing but blessed and everything is just, you know, it's like the universe just gets behind you when you've, um, you, you finally follow that, that little voice that's in your heart that tells you what you should be doing. And, you know, when you do that and you, and you, and you really are, are certain that this is it, yeah, that everything was just fall into place and it's going to, give you everything you've ever wanted, you know? And I think that it's important to realize that wealth is not just having a lot of money. It's, you know, having the security, uh, you know, to me, that was the biggest thing was just the security that money brings, uh, that you're able to take care of a situation if an emergency pops up and, um, you know, but wealth is, is, and that's like the daily practice that you do before you start the entire working in any of these workings in the, in the wealth magic book is just to look at something beautiful every day and to see that beauty and recognize just by seeing that beauty that you're surrounded by beauty all the time. And that, that alone makes you wealthy. And I think that that the book is really trying to help you redefine wealth to be more than just things but to be a, an entire way of life of you know being you know in harmony and and with yourself and with the world around you i agree and i and I, you know i appreciate that you actually expanded on that a little bit because i think it's really important that people understand wealth magic isn't another version of another version of the magical cash book. It's right. definitely not another version of magical riches. It's not that type of party. And I think that if you, you know, sort of go into wealth magic with, uh, with that in mind, you may have a, a, a very sad and perhaps rude awakening um, to understand and get a perspective of wealth. It's very important that you understand in essence, what, what it is you want. And you really need to define that, you know, wealth, uh, wealth isn't necessarily having a good job that pays over six figures and 
you have enough money to do whatever you want. No, because just as just as easy as it is to have, you know, essentially enough money to do whatever you want, it's real easy for that money to go out and you're not doing anything with it or contributing. And I think that, you know, if you understand wealth from the perspective of people who are wealthy, security means, you know, a good mixture of, you know, having a portfolio essentially and having a good mixture of assets, real estate, uh, owning securities in, you know, stock markets, uh, in the markets and in general, having, you know, having money that you can reinvest so that it can make money for you, you know, and very important that you understand what the definition of wealth is. And if you do, if you, if you understand what wealth is, then you have a really, really good shot at doing something really great with this. One of the things that I actually really wanted out of this was to have enough money to be able to help those in need. And this was all about the pact that you, that you're, you know, doing in, in ritual too, which Jareth, I, I think you suggested that, or you were saying essentially that, um, that, uh, what, what, sorry, what were you saying again about, about this uh, in relation to the pact? I forget earlier you were talking about you know, be aware of what you're asking for. Yeah, well, okay, so let's look at the request that you actually make in the second working in Wealth Magic. And I won't read the whole thing because I don't want any copyright issues or anyone trying to try to do the ritual just based on that. But it says that, you know, you're asking to be carried through life in a state of limitless wealth. Uh, you're calling on the angels to let wealth flow to you and through you. Um, and you're asking them to shift time, bend reality, and lay a path that guides you to live a life of wealth. That is a very intense request. Because these angels, as I've, I've tried to illustrate, definitely can shift time, and they can bend reality, and they can change your thoughts, and they can make, they can, they can do it. And so... And you're asking them here to carry you through life in a state of limitless wealth and to let wealth flow to you and through you. And that's an important part too. You know, this is something that a lot of people miss with money magic is that you can't hoard your wealth. You've got to let it flow. You've got to spend it too, because giving and receiving are just a, there's a part of magic and you know, the, the sword and the cup. It's, it's all, it, it all goes together. Um, uh, so yeah, you've got to um, you've got to be ready for what that is, and that's why it's so important that you have an, a real idea of what wealth is. Because if you go into the second working with the expectation of wealth as being financial money and goods and things like that, and your life is working at a burger flipper and McDonald's, you're you're going to have a rough time because <laughs> your life is just not set up for that kind of wealth and so it's going to flip everything upside down and turn your life around and until you're until you're ready for it and and 
so yeah, and, and that's why it's so important to have a, a very healthy, holistic idea of what wealth is in that way. And then again, to all, but you do need to have the, you know, your life set up in a way that you can get the money and, and, and things like that. It needs to be all of it. And, and it's got to, you've got to have the whole thing, you know, that I think that this is, and I think that this is the biggest problem that I see with people that are, that do wealth magic is that, like you said, they approach it like it's magical riches or cash book where you just are, you know, you're just writing a check and then the angels are going to give you the money. And that's not what wealth magic is about. It is about changing your whole life so that it, it reaches this level where money just flows and good things just flow. And, and if you're not ready for that, then be ready for a ride because <laughs> you're working with an angel that's, that wants to, that, to help make you wise at the same time as, as making you rich. And, you know, wisdoms, it, it can be gained through good times, but humans tend to learn better through bad times. Agreed. So, but yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful um, request and I do, I, I love it. And I love it, it shows how, um, how powerful that the angels are and and, and what they can do for you. And it's just, um, it's just really amazing. And it, it really is such a, a, a profound book uh, and, and then the magic that's in it. And it's just, I mean, it, it is seriously life-changing magic and you should, but you need to approach it with that, you know, with respect and, and be ready for it and to be ready to, to have your life you know, change. You can't, you can't do magic for change and then expect your life to stay the same. Agreed. Yeah. We, you know, it's, like, <laughs> it's so funny. You're actually <laughs> echoing the same words that we said in our last episode, which was, you know, essentially to embrace it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You've got to, um, you've got to be right. And part of being, part of being a magician and being on this journey is that, you know, is to learn to, uh, to be adaptive and to be, you know, willing to change and, and accept change and, 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 and working with all of these different, you know, entities to help, you know, just make your life better and then better for the people around you. And, you know, this, what the way most people are living, you know, in today's world is, it's not good for us. And, and so we can't get stuck in that mentality and just let's be more open for some, for allowing something better to happen to us. I uh, really, really appreciate the way that you eloquently described uh, like my entire sentiment. And yeah, Mars said, we discussed it in the last meeting. I was kind of like all over the place when describing it, but the way that you mentioned it is perfect because yeah, you can't work at a regular minimum wage job and expect to get wealthy without going through a crazy amount of life change. So that's why the, the request, like, I think the, the important part of even the daily practice and then even the first ritual is that it's kind of like setting you up. So you don't like, this is just my opinion. I don't have any facts on it. This is my theory. So the reason that it's the second working and not the first or even the very beginning 
is because it's so powerful and it's so uh, like, I guess it gives you two months to kind of prepare yourself for the changes that you're about to ask for. Cause we're talking about making sure we really understand what it is that we're requesting. You're saying that, um, and, and I agree with you definitely like the way that it's asking the angels to shift time and bend reality. That's not a small task. It's not like we're not asking for uh, a quarter or 50 cents. I mean, we're asking for the world because these angels are so powerful. We're asking them to really, really change everything about our particular daily life. And the more things that we have in our life that don't relate to wealth, the more it will try, the universe will kind of like strip that away from us a lot of the times that could be painful and that's where a lot of the disruption that's where there's a lot of fear around the ritual too and people when they hear wealth magic i've heard a lot of times like they don't want to do it because they heard how bad ritual two is but that's not the right perspective because if you want wealth you need to let go of these things that are holding you back from wealth and most of the time letting go of those things happen to be very close to a person's life and having the universe strip that away is very painful, especially like during a very quick period of time. So there's a, and that's why the disruption can kind of be intense. Like the first time that I did wealth magic, I also did it twice like Mars, but the first time I did it, the disruption was way worse. The second time it was like a cakewalk because I think a lot of that disruption or a lot of that reality bending was taken care of in the first one. So the second one was just like kind of tying up loose ends and whatnot. And if I were to ever do it a third time, I think it would be even easier just because uh, the life experiences that I've gained over the past few years has really shifted me towards uh, a real life of wealth. Uh, I'm not, not like a millionaire by any means, but to me, wealth, is, like I'm on the path to wealth and I think that'll always be there. I'll always be on that path. But based on, you even said that these, this angel Elibito is all about wisdom. I definitely think I've gotten wise over the last few years. So it's very cool to to hear about your perspective on it and the way that you eloquently described the the sentiments that I've been trying to say for a long time actually. Yeah, well, yeah, thank you. Well, this has just been a really good talk. I I really appreciate you guys letting me come on like this. Yeah, no worries. I really appreciate you for coming on too. It's uh it's actually seriously it's been an honor. You have a lot of great insight. A lot of wisdom that you can you can share with viewers and or I guess listeners really. So um, aside from from all these topics, uh, there's one more thing I want to talk about real quick. If we can uh, talk well, about of course. before we close this out, uh, there's particularly uh, I think somewhere you mentioned that there's a particular reason why the Gallery of Magic chose these three angels. Can you kind of share a little bit about that? Oh. Um... I think that like I think it just kind of is is we've kind of covered it. It was the the other the three that were mentioned at the beginning of the ritual in the um, uh, sixth and seventh book of Moses and the working that's in there for Leviathan, um, and then in New Avatar Power he just he works with um, Ali Batel, but then I think that you know David Brand added the other two back in, and, and he's he's pretty clear. Um, he thinks, you know, because it helps ease the disruptions a little bit because, yeah, um, at USUL is, um, his whole area is, um, is peace and calm and well-being. And, you know, he's kind of like the one to help you become mindful 
uh, you know, and, and peaceful. And um, Ebuhuel is about health and well-being and growth and nature and things like that. And so I think, yeah, I think together they definitely chill each other out a little bit. And I have found that working with them all in one thing is actually the way to go. And it, you, instead of, I mean, you can definitely call on just one or two or three or whatever, but if you, you work with them all together, it really evens the, the power out. And um, one of the things that I, I do and, and where, and how I make my living is um, I I've created attunements with different spirits. And when I did it with the angels of omnipotence, I don't offer it as just one with Eluatel or one with them. It's all together as one because I I truly feel that the more that you have, the better they work together, and it creates a more um, holistic approach that covers all the different angles, and as well, and it just and it and it it, it kind of evens out a lot of that that disruptive energy and stuff. And so I think that that's why, you know, he's, he's, he brought those other two back in. And I think it was a really good idea. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's very important to have an, not too crazy of an experience, but also this is only the second working. There's like so many more to come after this. There's four more workings, uh, five more workings, actually up to seven. So it's interesting. Um, yeah. This conversation has been excellent. I really appreciate you once again for coming on board, Mars. Thank you so much for also being on here. Uh, aside from that, if you guys have any finishing thoughts, you can let us know or we can call it a day. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I just want to say I, I'm, I'm definitely very blessed to, uh, to, to, to be a part of this. And uh, thank you both, uh, Arjuna, for, for doing this and Jareth for taking the time um, that you take to contribute to the community. The occult community has taken some pretty serious dents and um, it's good to know that someone like you is still around, still contributing, and still offering uh, this this knowledge. And um, I think everyone who's listening should definitely give Angels of Omnipotence a shot. Uh, it's uh, obviously uh, available on Amazon, and you can buy it uh, hard copy or or on Kindle. And I'm actually going to be working with it and applying this in my life because I feel, you know, although I'm sort of done with the whole wealth magic uh, journey in itself, I do believe that there were a lot of really important takeaways and big monumental relationship building um, components with these spirits every day I, I am thankful for all that I have. And, and I always remain humble when I revel in the wonders of power. Yes, that's very well said. Um, yeah, I, I do want to just say a little bit more about um, the book and what you can do. It's not just a wealth book, but actually, especially when you get into that final angel, Uyazel, it's a lot of um, inner alchemy and shadow work and shining the light and the darkness inside you and, and 
things like that so that you can become you know more self-aware and start getting rid of a lot of the, the flaws and the, and the self-sabotaging behaviors and things that can, can hold you back. So even if you're not interested in, in money magic at all anymore, there's still a lot that you can get from working with these angels. Um, and yeah, of course, there's everything else that, that people want when they work with magic, you know, the love magic and, and every instance, everything that they do uh, is bringing you, you know, order out of chaos, but then they can also reduce things back to chaos. Almost every power in the book you can flip and there's a, an inverse baneful effect that you can use for, you know, uh, to get justice if you need it. So it's, yeah, it's, it's just a really uh, powerful experience working with these angels. And it's, it's definitely been a life changer for me. And uh, I, I really am excited to, to share you know, what I've learned with that, you know, with everybody else. I just, I feel like every, it would, the world would just be such a better place if people would, you know, would all just take the time to, to learn and study a little bit more and to, and to start working with all of these different amazing angels and, and entities that, you know, we have access to today. It's an amazing time to be alive. <laughs> For sure. The wealth of information that we have. Agreed. Absolutely. So actually I have, I will be putting your links to both your website, which is shadowbinder.com and also the link to your book on Amazon, the angels of omnipotence. And um, once again, thank you both for being here and it's been an amazing experience. So uh, all the viewers take care, have a good one, have a wonderful, wealthy life. And that's it for today. Thank you. Peace. All right. Thank you guys. Bye-bye.